Welcome back to Challenge the Norm. Today we will be ministering around the notion about the only weapon that can change the world. Let us pray together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we can come before your throne of grace. Thank you for the gospel message that was presented unto us. And I pray for every listener and to everyone that will hear this podcast, that you would touch them by your grace and by your mercy. Those who have, do not have a relationship with you, pray open up their hearts and touch them. And those of us who are walking with you, help our walk to be more closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are not man-made. They are not instituted by man, but is mighty and it's of God. And it's for the pulling down of strongholds, taking every thought captive and bring it under the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ when our obedience is fulfilled. Now today I will present to you the weapon of a believer, a weapon that can change the world. Romans 8 declares the following, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeliness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is an enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. For they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Our greatest treasure in life is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our greatest treasure is not politics, it's not influence, it's not our degrees, it's not our cars, our friends, our family or the economy. There is an impact in the spiritual, physical realm that transcends all that we can see that we have today. So our greatest weapon, our greatest weapon of offense is the gospel. It gives us our greatest sense of peace, of liberty, freedom, redemption. That is all found in the gospel. The good news that a savior came dying for us. The good news that we were guilty, but the innocent one has paid the price for our sin so that we might no longer live in sin and injustice. Do you understand and do you know the power of the gospel? The joyous good news of salvation in Jesus. 
the Greek word translates the gospel as a reward for bringing good news, or it is simply termed good news. Isaiah 40 verse 9 declares that God will save his people. Jesus is not the messenger of the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. The gospel is the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation, which began in Israel, which was completed in Christ, and who is proclaimed by the church. Dark forces do not want us to use the gospel as a ways and means of a weapon. They want us to stay ignorant and use political innuendos, theological assumptions and reasoning about logic and science. The only news that we need and the only weapon of offense that we have is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1 to 7 declares the following. And I, brethren, I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and powers, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that you come to know. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. That is beautiful. We Our, our speech are not framed by the rudiments or the tides of this world. Our speech are not framed by the innuendos and the intellect of this world. Our speech is framed by what 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 to 4 declares. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that it was buried, and that it was rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That, my dear listeners, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Romans is very, very clear and decisive in terms of why we need the gospel. It gives an understanding the greater need of humanity for the gospel. Romans 1 depicts the state of humanity, the need for God's righteousness. The Bible says in Romans 1 verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fool, and changing the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. That shows the state of man that walks in disobedience towards God. Romans 1 is clear. The guilt of of the Gentiles, the guilt of the greater humanity. Romans chapter 2 depicts the need for God's righteousness towards the Jew. And the Jew needs righteousness. The Jew and the Gentile, they need righteousness before the Lord. Listen to what Romans 2 verse 13 says. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law 
shall be justified. There is a place that we need to have action. Romans 2 verse 25 says, For circumcision verily profiteth if you keep the law, but if you be a breaker of the law, the circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not the circumcision be counted for circumcision? And then further on it alludes to this for he, verse 29, For he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of man but of God. Here Romans 2 depicts to us the need of God's justice towards the Jew. The Jew needs redemption as much as the Gentile. So all humanity, they are all guilty before God. And that brings us to Romans 3, where it depicts all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now chapter 3 to chapter 5 of the book of Romans speaks about God's righteousness. It talks about God's redemptive illustration. It talks about the benefits of God's righteousness. Um, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, according to Romans 3 verse 20. Romans 3 verse 24 says, We are justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 5 verse 1 declares, Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else can bring us peace. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we found in uh, the chapter 6 to 8 the demonstration of God's justice. This is indicated through the sanctification. Sanctification basically means the separation from the flesh. We distance ourselves from the world, the sin of the world. We walk away from sin. Now the new life in God, it moves us towards God in holy living. When we, when we get new clothes, for example, if we get new clothes, we feel good about it. We wear it, we show our new clothes to others, and it makes us look good and we feel good about others. Even so, when we have the new life in Christ, we have to show it out to others. We have to bring out the new life in Christ so that others could see. This is so beautiful about the gospel that I want to illustrate to you, the new life. That Romans 1 verse 1 declares, Paul is separated unto the gospel. Romans 1 verse 9 declares, he serves God with his spirit in the gospel. Romans 1 verse 15, he preaches the gospel. Romans 1 verse 16, he is not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 2 verse 16, God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says that Paul has begotten sons through the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 23 declares, for the gospel's sake, he's doing it. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3, the gospel is hid in the hearts of those that are lost. This brings me to the text which talks about sanctification and the spirit. So Romans 8 demonstrates the righteousness of God through the spirit. You can only have access to this righteousness when you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the newness of life that you are walking in and this demonstrates the righteousness of God through the Spirit. Verse 1 declares, we, 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 there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who live 
according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. We, we live in a society that condemns so quickly. The love of people is so cold. People only look after their own interests. They slander, they gossip, they backbite. When we walk after the spirit, we are not condemned. We are not condemned because we walk in the spirit. We, we operate in the fruit of the spirit. The righteousness that we have is not the righteousness of ourselves, but it is the righteousness that Christ has died on the cross as the innocent one. Righteousness is holy and upright living according to the standards of God, not according to the standards of the EFF, not according to the standards of the ANC, not according to the standards of, of judges, not according to the standards of presidents and political powers, not according to the standards of the World Health Organization. The standards that we implore in our lives is the standards of the living God. Our righteousness is not based on our identity. Our righteousness is only based on our identification by faith with Jesus as our Savior. Verse 2 declares, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. We are set free. We are no longer destined for death. We are no longer destined for decay. But we are destined for eternal life in Christ. God loves us so much. We will be partakers of His eternal livelihood. We shall be like him. Verse 3 and verse 4 declare so beautifully that for that the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeliness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Christ, our Savior, was without sin. Yet, he became sin so that we can walk in freedom and in victory. The Bible declares that they that are after the flesh do not mind the things of God. Can I ask you this question? What are you minding today? In the olden days, they have this proverb or the expression that says, penny for your thoughts. What is the things that is in your mind at this moment? What are the thoughts that are running through your brain? Because the Bible says they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. The Bible declares in Isaiah, I will keep him at constant peace whose mind is stayed on me. What are you minding? What is in your thoughts? What is running through your mind at this moment? For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. In our mind, what is in our mind? Is it pleasing God or is it pleasing our mortal existence? We need to understand that verse 9 to 11 talks about the spirit that dwells in us. The spirit of God that is dwelling in us. And this spirit testifies that Christ is our King and that we have a Father. In conclusion today, I want to present to you with 1 John 2 verse 18 to 23. It says, little children, it is the last time, as you have heard, that the Antichrist shall come. And even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they have been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. 
but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One that you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar? He that denied that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son, acknowledges the Father as well. Here we understand our victory over evil. It is based on the premises how we understand the Gospel. Here it is clearly written that it is the last hour, the final hour. How, how far, if this was written thousands of years ago, how far do you think we are on the end time clock? Some say it's two minutes to twelve. Some say it's one minute to twelve. Some say it's five minutes to midnight. We are in injury time at this moment. But here through the letters of John, it is clear that the only way that we can withstand the attacks of the enemy, the only way that we are able to walk in victory, is by allowing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to become one with us, to allowing this good news to be our standard of living, our ethos, the way that we present ourselves, the way that we speak, the way that we think, the way that we live, the way we interact. That is the only way that we can activate this great weapon, which is called the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us share this gospel. Let us be there in this world making a difference. And may you understand that what I presented to you today is the greatest weapon that can change the world.